from a little town called Townsville. Uh, ahead of time, I apologize if you don't understand half of what I say. Um, but Townsville is sort of in between the desert and the Great Barrier Reef. It's dry uh, and it's beautiful. And um, it's been a few years since I've been home because I've been living in Hawaii. So for those of you who know Seth, I work with Seth. Uh, we, we do some leadership training um, together. So if you've, you've met any of the guys who are from the YWAM teams that have come here to Vermont, uh, we, we uh, train some of their team leaders and that kind of thing. Uh, so um, I'm stoked to be here. Um, a little bit of my story. I'm, I'm a, a missionary kid. So I grew up in YWAM. I grew up in uh, like missional community and that kind of thing. Um, and when I was 18, I joined the military. Um, spent a bit of time not following the Lord and uh, making poor life decisions and essentially just came to a place of brokenness within myself and came to the end of my own rope um, and returned to YWAM um, sort of as a large ditch effort to go like, God, I don't know where to find you. I don't know. Everything I've tried hasn't worked. And so um, the last four or five years have been this journey um, back into him, uh, but while in missions. And so um, that's, that's a little bit of my story, just really briefly. Um, we're going to find out where we go this morning. I, I really felt a talk on grace. Uh, so grace is the topic this morning, um, and not so much uh, saving grace, although that's definitely a part of what I'm talking about. I, I really want to describe more uh, the grace that God pours out on us to enable us to do things and to change us, all right? And so I actually really felt like uh, that verse from Ephesians that um, Pastor Kathy read out was really, really appropriate. And so I'm going to read it out again, and then we're going to jump into what I, uh, what I felt to say. So where were we? Starting in verse 13, was it? But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making best use of the time because the days are evil. The passage I'm going to start in today is actually in Isaiah 53. It's verse 11. So you guys know Isaiah 53. It's that passage where... Uh, the, the prophet Isaiah prophesies about the coming of Jesus as the suffering servant. Uh, that he is going to be uh, despised and he is going to be uh, afflicted and he's going to be beaten up. And in verse 11 it says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and he shall be satisfied. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall, be see, he shall see and he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted as righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. So, grace is really important. Grace is, is what we receive. And I think um, we all realize, we talked about it this morning, but the times are changing. 2020 was rough. 2021 has been rough. And not just because of COVID, uh, but we've had like so many cataclysmic events um, all across the world, in, in the United States of America. Uh, Hebrews says um, that... The word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So God is not changing, but the times are changing, and the world is changing, and he's wanting to do new things in the world. Okay, And, and grace um, is what is poured out upon us so that we can understand and we can see what he is doing in the nations. We can understand what he is uh, doing, um, but not just in the nations, but in our own lives, so that he, he can prepare us as vessels 
that can glorify him and can walk in his ways and can actually walk in the things that he wants to do in the world. So we can lift our eyes up off ourselves and off our own circumstances and actually come into agreement with the things he wants to do uh, in the world. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where 2020 left you, whether it left you empty, whether it left you tired, whether it left you frustrated, whether it left you confused. But uh, the, the grace of God is abundant and he is constantly pouring it out. So I really want to talk about how, how do we receive grace. Okay? And so um, I really want this to be a compassionate message, but I'm going to talk about Paul's suffering. Okay? Um, so here we are. Uh, yeah, so we need to have an understanding of God's grace in our lives. Everything Jesus did during his uh, time on earth, he did to prepare um, us. He did for our salvation. His incarnation was uh, for our ability to walk in his ways and to be changed in his likeness. His crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, his outpouring at Pentecost, all of it was so that we could be changed into his likeness and uh, see the world change. All of creation groans, right, for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. And that's who we are. We're to be changed. So grace sort of primarily does two things, right? It deals with the flesh and it deals with the sin in my life, right? It crucifies the old man and it kills all that stuff that inhibits the spirit of God in my life. And it also brings me into a living unity with the Trinity, right? Unity to be unified with the Trinity. In uh, John chapter 17, uh, Jesus talks about, hey, um, he's praying to the Father and he says uh, that I pray that they will be one. That they, the body, will be one just as you and I, Father, that we're one. And that they will be in us as I am in you. There's this crazy uh, thing going on that we can't really comprehend in our minds, but that we're to be united with God in, in a way that we can't do it ourselves. And so this is through, uh, through his grace. And it's not just a one-off thing. It's not just sinner's prayer, dunskies, uh, we're in. There is this uh, growing and this maturing and this receiving of grace that we walk through uh, in our lifetime. All right, so uh, God's grace is sufficient, but we don't always have uh, the space in our spirits to receive uh, what he wants to pour out on us. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about Paul. Paul teaches about grace. Grace was the main message of Paul's life. Grace was the main message of Paul's life. Uh, in in uh, Ephesians and Colossians, these are two books that he uh, he wrote from prison, and they are like the pinnacle of uh, his like spiritual revelatory uh, theology, right? Um, and you know, like if, if it's like a pyramid, like at the bottom is like the foundation is the theology of of uh, the Book of Romans, but like at this pinnacle near the end of his life, when he's walking in maturity, he he uh, writes these letters of deep revelation. Um, as to who we're meant to be and how we're supposed to walk in him. But in order to get there, there was a process. And it wasn't an easy process. Right? In Ephesians, we uh, find he refers to grace and being united in the Trinity. Uh, but before he wrote Ephesians, he wrote uh, Corinthians. He wrote to the church of the Corinthians. In fact, uh, the second letter to the Corinthians uh, was just the year before Ephesians was written. All right? So Paul's grace was related to the suffering uh, that he endured. Suffering deals with the old man, the old nature. Suffering kills pride in me. Less of Joshua and more of God inside of me. All right, so we're going to jump over to 2 Corinthians. 
We're going to start in ver- uh, chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 3. We're going to move through to verse 9. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and of God of all comfort, He who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is that you are unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that the afflictions that we experienced in Asia, for which we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, and that we were despaired of all life of itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Then jump over to uh, chapter 7, starting in verse 5. Same letter. For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. All right, mainly verse 5 there. We came to Macedonia and our bodies had no rest, and we were afflicted at every turn, fighting within and fear of, yeah, sorry, fighting without and fear within. Paul's talking about an internal uh, burden. He talks about his, his constant prayer and struggle uh, every single day for the church. He has, a, he has a spiritual burden on the inside. And then he has uh, these external burdens. Everyone's trying to kill Paul, like everybody. I think uh, if we, we can jump over to uh, chapter 11, right? We see this, uh, I think it's verse 23. Let's see. Yeah, verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? Well, I'm a better one. Now I am, uh, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors. I've had far more imprisonments. I've had countless beatings, often near death. Five times I've received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys I was in danger from rivers, I was in danger from robbers. I was in danger from my own people, the Jews. I was in danger from Gentiles. That's everybody. Jews and Gentiles, there is nobody else. I was in danger in the city. I was in danger in the wilderness. I was in danger at sea. I was in danger from false brothers, in turmoil and hardship. There is nowhere else. Wilderness, city, sea, rivers. We've run out of places to go. Paul's in affliction. Through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me and the anxiety which I have for the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? 
We'll jump down to uh, chapter 12, verse 7. So, keep me, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. So here's what I'm trying to highlight with this, is that the amazing things in the ministry of Paul, the, the abundant grace that he had in his life, his, his ability to perceive the times and the seasons and, and to walk in the call of God in his life was directly related to the sufferings that he endured. So I'm not prophesying over you future sufferings or something, but what I'm, I'm trying to articulate is that, hey, 2021 was rough and God was doing stuff in your life. He was doing stuff in our lives. He was doing stuff in my life. 2021 has been rough so far. He is active. He is living and he is active. And he has purposes on earth. Even as you know, people storm Capitol Hill and this racist stuff happens in America, God is active. And he wants us to understand what he is doing in, on the earth. And, but that, that requires that we receive grace from heaven to understand and to have spiritual insight. All right, so we're going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 1. Starting in verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise and his glorious grace which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I don't know if you can hear it in his tone, but there's nothing left of Paul. There's not some high well-articulated theologian left. There's not some highly capable um, guy who's going around and changing the world on his own terms. He is a man who has been broken and who is dead in and of himself. His flesh has been crucified and he is full of grace. He is relying on grace. There is a need, um, an, a need uh, of grace to function, otherwise he can't do anything. Now jump over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I would apologize for all the scripture, but I, I feel like uh, Paul probably has <laughs> something better to say than I do. So starting in uh, verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful according to his service. Though I formerly was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, I have received mercy because, he, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. We'll just jump over to 1 Corinthians 15. This is uh, verse 10. But the grace of God, by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. 
On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy is, is one of his last letters. It's his, it's his final words to his, um, uh, his disciple, uh, Timothy. Right. So these are the final words that he's giving to his spiritual son. And in chapter 2, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. A hardworking farmer who ought to have first share of the crops. Think over what I have said and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. One of Paul's final uh, exhortations to uh, his spiritual son is to receive grace and go after grace with tenacity. He compares uh, this is uh, an athlete, a soldier and a farmer. And so I want to like compare these two concepts, right? On one hand, uh, what does it look like to be a soldier? It means intentionality. It means giving your life for a cause. The opposite of a, a soldier is a civilian, right? It's somebody who just sort of leans into the rest and enjoys the freedom without actually pursuing it himself. Whereas on the other hand, you have soldiers who, who give their life uh, for, for the purposes of their, um, the person they're serving, right? And this is what, what God calls us to be as, as disciples of Jesus. The, other, uh, the next one here is an athlete. And what's the difference between somebody who stands uh, or, or competes in the Olympics and somebody who's um, in, the, uh, in the spectating booth, right? The spectator is passive. The athlete is active and has spent years uh, and intentionality looking at how he will get to this goal of being able to perform and to compete. And finally, we have the farmer, all right? The opposite of a farmer is a consumer, all right? And I don't want to be a spiritual consumer. I don't want to be somebody that just hears uh, great sermons and uh, tucks away cool little bits of information. But there's a, there's a reality that we need to know the times and the seasons, times to uh, plant and times to uh, reap a harvest. And that, 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 that takes grace from God to have our spiritual eyes opened so that we can know when we're supposed to plant and how we're supposed to plant and how we're supposed to reap. And so there's an intentionality that um, Paul is laying out um, in, in terms of receiving grace and walking in everything they were called to walk in. Uh, and finally, I'm just going to jump to Titus chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live a self-controlled, upright, godly life in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So grace, grace, uh, as we receive it into our spirit, it, it changes us into the likeness of Christ. And we can only receive... Uh, as, as much grace as, uh, as our spirit is big enough to actually receive it, right? And so um, uh, I think we're all aware of ways that we can expand the spirit within us, right? Uh, constant prayer, 
um, both corporately and individually, reading of scriptures, um, allowing the Holy Spirit when he, when he stabs you in the heart with conviction to actually engage with what he's saying and repent to anyone that you've offended and, and to, um, to be transparent and not keep things in darkness. These things, they, they extend our spirit, intentionality and consistency. And on the other hand, we can lose grace. When we, when we uh, partake in sin, sin is a poison, right? When, when, we, when we eat like raw chicken, there are physical uh, repercussions for that. We lose appetite. We, we don't feel like eating food anymore. We get sick, all right? And it's the same with sin in the spiritual realm. That when, when we uh, do things that we know are sin, that we lose our appetite for spiritual things. We lose our appetite for prayer. We lose our appetite for the world. Uh, for the word, sorry. Um, and so my encouragement to you today is, hey, um, this last 18 months has been rough. It's been rough, I think, globally. Um, but I just want to encourage you to go look at this last 18 months, sit down and pray with the Lord and go, hey, where have you been active in my life? Where have you been building grace in my life? Where have these, these hard places of suffering actually been a training ground? Not that he brought the virus, that's not what I'm saying, but that he is using the virus uh, to, to change us and create something inside the church and, and to uh, bring revival in the church and reformation to the church. But that starts with us on an individual level and then on a corporate level before uh, it looks like something globally. We all want to see change, but it, it starts with our own personal responsibility in receiving grace. Friends, um, that's what I have for you today. Just an encouragement to redeem each day and uh, be aware of what God's doing in your life through suffering. Welcome. Amen. I love that. This book, How We Can Receive, How to Receive Grace. And grace always takes us further than we want to go. And those are the things that have the examples. Hey, good morning. All the examples that Joshua just gave us. Because the understanding is, is that grace is substance. It's the substance of the power of God. It's the ability to walk out the things that he's asked us to do that we're not actually able to do in ourselves. I'm just, uh, as just rehearsing the story, the time, the conversation with Joshua and the things that have occurred through his life. And grace is really his unmerited favor. But I, I hope this morning that we leave with a substance of what grace really is. It's just not ooey-gooey grace to allow us to do things and say, well, gee, I'm sorry, God, and then just pick up where we thought we left off. But grace is actually to be able to take us to the places that um, naturally we don't have the understanding of why. Most of us don't have the understanding of why this last 2020-2021 has become what it has. But it's been personal in every way. It's destroyed. It's tried to destroy relationships, the ability to provide income, the things that would be once a hope or a dream or a possibility. The difficult part now is, is that what has transpired now just has not been an event. This isn't something that everybody talks about going back to normal. We're never going back to normal. If we understand God's purpose, the kingdom is advancing. And so the things that transpire that we see happening that are either falling apart, being exposed, 
this is where we begin to see this grace that God is giving us is that when we can stand this, this need for unity, all of the areas that we thought we could get by alone or we could do without in God and or the Holy Spirit or the people that God has brought into our lives. I just think of often where uh, Kyle and Ben and now Debbie and different ones are going out to evangelize. Well, what was so cool is, is that Ben told me that they were just at one of the stores and Brian was there. And they didn't expect Brian to be there. But we're recognizing that, and I don't think Brian really realized the importance until they went over to pray for him. And then he started talking about the Lord and his life in front of all these people that were in the store. So it brought Brian to a place, because, you know, he has uh, different forms of uh, cancer in his body that God has just sustained him and continued to heal him. But the grace and the purposes of what God has in his life, he then outreaches to his sister and the different things that are taking place. So thank you, Josh, for this morning, because there needs to be a reminder, and I just want us to uh, see as we move forward these words um, that come as the such as grace I want you just to hold on to the substance of it, the power of it, the ability to do the things that you naturally, like he said, the body is weak, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The places in our lives that try to uh, still have a hold on us. But there's such a grace right now in God to say, just stand, draw close to one another, draw close to me. Allow me to begin to demonstrate the things that uh, I've called you for in this time. My grace is sufficient. And as Tom said in that word, you know, we capture it today because, man, we have no idea. And some of you are aware of Kathy's nephew. He and his wife were in a car. Uh, this was Friday. And uh, heading down the freeway. And somebody entered the wrong way on the freeway. Hit them head, hit them head on, and all three of them were killed. And these young people were in their 30s. And so we just don't really realize of what's uh, what's always trying to affect the way we live and how we uh, live our lives. And so, thank you very much. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. For all of, these, all of you that have been following us on the Zoom uh, or on the Facebook, blessings. I trust, uh, Tom, that I'm hoping that you were listening as well. Thank you for being a part of uh, who we are and what God wanted to bring this morning. So we're going to finish this part of it, and we're going to continue with our communion this morning. So um, stand strong. Recognize the power, the substance of grace, the dunamis, that dynamite power found in the presence of the Holy Spirit that then allows you to do the things you're not able to do naturally. Amen. Did you have something? Uh, yeah. Uh, since he brought up uh, the death of my nephew and his wife, um, they live in California. They were both police detectives in the San Diego Police Department. Um, she was at one time a professional hockey player. And <clears throat> they didn't have children, so they poured themselves into the community there um, with the children of the community. They were both very active in that. I would ask that you would pray. Uh, his mother, my niece, um, had uh, all these boys that um, she raised, her sons, by, as a single mother. Uh, my niece is a pastor. Um, she's given her life to the Lord through every step of the way. If personification of the word that we received today, uh, the grace of God that has gotten her where she is. 
and now she's facing this. And um, he was her firstborn, Ryan. He's absolutely adorable. His name is Ryan Park, and his wife's name is Jamie Park. Um, precious individuals. But um, again, the word that we have here, may the grace of God be at work in our lives. I'm praying that we are not spectators. I love the analogies that were given in the contrasts. Are you a farmer? Are you planting? Are you sowing seed? Or are you just harvesting someone else's work all the time? Are you a consumer? Are you bearing your own responsibility and your burden and the burden to carry this gospel to every single human being where we have today and you don't know what the rest of today will bring? But may we receive this grace I'm asking you to pray for my family and my sister, who at the moment, uh, this was such a shock, and the San Diego Police Department and all of the community in San Diego. They were at, everyone is grieving there. So this is our opportunity to be the light. To be the light. Jamie's family, his wife's family do not know Christ. And in the midst of my niece's grief, in the midst of that, the grace of God is at work. She's not there to make this about her and her loss. She knows her, her grave responsibility to be the light of Christ and to share the word and the gospel and to invite people into this glorious life with the Son of the living God and the Father, and the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit. So, though this, I may be sober, Paul, throughout Ephesians, was speaking sobering things, that we would be awake, that we would not be asleep, that our, our vision and our daily thoughts in life, when we have a moment to think, isn't about worldliness, and the things that we want to do. Let us awake to the will of God. And if you have been planted here, if God has brought you to this place, and I know there's a lot of people not here today. Why? Because there's graduations going on. There's celebratory things. There's people going away. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, let us irregardless of the things that we are sometimes involved in that are not sinful, let us not be distracted from the things that we are being charged with in the Spirit and by God himself and by his Son, Jesus Christ. So I thank you for those of you who have been praying for me uh, and my so support for my family. I don't know... Uh, we need prayer about how we would travel and um, be able to do that. So please pray for all of that. Um, it's very costly right now if you're traveling. Oh my goodness, I was shocked at how expensive the airfare goes up in a week from now. And uh, the funeral and the memorial may be delayed. 
because it is going to be a large event in Southern California. So um, please pray for us and that we hear from the will of God on when we are to go. Um, meanwhile, um, thank you all for your love and your prayers. I thank you for all of you who uh, blessed me so graciously with these lovely gifts and flowers. My house, it looks like a floor shop and smells like one. I have plants and flowers all over the place. I, I told Lonnie I don't think I've ever had any more. But, you know, there's something that can minister to you um, through, through seeing God's great creation, the beauty of his creation, um, but even how more valuable is the beauty of you and who he's created. And so we bless you today as we partake in remembrance of all that he's done. He is the risen king. He is the Lord of lords, and he is the king of kings. And let us come and adore him. Let us live worthy, through the blood of Jesus, lives, and walk in the light, and walk in the way that he sets before us. Amen? Amen. Amen.